Welcome back to the Boys of Summer. This is episode 63. I'm Gene Gums, and joined by my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun as we talk about all things baseball, our favorite sport. And guys, we are a almost a month into the season, and a report came out from Major League Baseball. The MLB TV streaming package uh, has a pretty big increase. It's up 12% through the first three weeks of the season. And 43% compared to the same period two years ago. So my question to you is, is this because baseball is more popular? And, you know, people want to say, well, baseball's dying, length of games, yada, yada, yada. Is baseball more popular or is this a product of what's going on in society now where streaming has become almost more common than somebody that has cable TV? Man, you know, that's such an interesting question. Uh, if you look at what's been happening with all the uh, all the teams that are on the, the – it's now called Bally's uh, Sports, like in, in the Midwest especially, um, and the South. Uh, I'm not sure where else they are. But they, you know, they took it over – Bally's took it over from Fox Sports, you know, Midwest, Southwest, all those – and they have not they don't have contracts with any of the streaming services so if you have you know like uh, you know the youtube service or hulu or any of these other services that offer um, mlb on streaming you can't watch it you can't see those those channels and the outcry has been really uh really loud from especially if you know I, i'm on twitter following all the royals people and you know people are mad um, because, you know, they're all cord cutters. They cut the cord, the cable cord, and now all of a sudden they can't watch baseball. So it's, I, I got to think it's, it's a societal thing where so many people have started cutting the cord to get rid of those expensive cable bills and they're, they're watching it on streaming services. Now, of course, the challenge with that, if it's on MLB TV, is that, you know, there's blackout restrictions. Right. So it would be interesting to see if, um, you know VPNs, um, which is a way to disguise where you're where you're watching from. It'd be interesting to see if VPNs have also seen a uh, a rise in uptake. I've that. I've I've done that, by the way. Have you? Yeah. I, yeah. I have I have a VPN, and if I want to watch a Red Sox game streaming because like my maybe my wife wants to watch something on television, I use the VPN to fool my computer and MLB TV, thinking that uh, you know I'm not where I am. Right. Mm. Deceitful, Gene. Deceitful. You're letting out your secrets now, man. Well, you know, it's not just, you know what? This is, I actually think baseball has the worst blackout restrictions uh, in professional sports. It's crazy, especially where, you know, you guys like down in Texas or if you live in the Midwest, for instance, if somebody lives in North Carolina, do you realize, and this is something I'm going to face when I move there in a year, do you realize that the Cincinnati Reds, the Atlanta Braves, and I want to say uh, it might even be the Cleveland Indians are all considered like in the home market of North Carolina. So you can't watch any of those games on MLB TV, depending on where you are. But if you go two miles over the border, you can watch them all. So, mm. you know, so, you know, it, their their blackout restrictions are crazy. So I, I think that there's a part of that, Eric. But I just don't know because of the blackout restrictions, if, it, if you can just say it's the cord cutters. Okay, so I'm going to give another um, honest talk here. Gene confessed a little bit. Um, my son used to watch every game anytime he wanted, and I said, how did you do that? 
He said, Dad, do you really want to know? He says, if you just go to certain websites across the world, you can watch it illegally. And I always asked him, is your computer going to blow up? Are they stealing your information? I'm so old school on it. Um, right. Uh, one reason I was doing some research why I forget which website, and probably one of those sketchy Russian websites, said that uh, the reason that the numbers are up at MLB is because last year people were so angry the way baseball handled COVID and the start of the season and how they were arguing over the season and players didn't want to play and the owners were being cheap and it just left such a bad taste in everybody's mouth. They were just like, I don't care about the beginning of the season. Well, this year we're nostalgic. We're ready for COVID to be done. People are ready to get into watching some relaxing, interesting baseball. And plus, the West Coast has some great rivalries already. Dodgers are out to an amazing start. Uh, the Padres have a great team as well. So if you look at the positives, that may be a reason, but I'm like Eric, he stole all my thunder. I mean, we cut the cable, the cord, whatever you want to call it, a long time ago. And if you didn't go with Comcast or whatever cable company's package was offered to you, you just didn't get it. And now, I mean, we have like five or six different streaming services. And I enjoy watching these games sometimes on Peacock Network or uh, Sling or these other ones. So I just rotate around and I get to watch a lot of games. And so I think for all those reasons, I'm glad. Aren't you glad that baseball is getting more attention finally? Uh, no question. You know, But one of the things with me is I actually I had cut the cord. I had gone to Strictly Streaming. I went back Ooh. to DirecTV. Uh, because uh, I had YouTube TV, and YouTube TV was the only one that, uh, that had Nesson, which is the local sports channel that carries the Bruins, the Boston Bruins in the NHL, and the Boston Red Sox. Well, YouTube TV dropped Nesson. Why? So I could no longer, because they had a dispute over how much they were going to charge per subscriber for Nesson. It was, a, it was, you know, you see that all the time with cable companies and oh, yeah. satellite companies of, you know, how much are you going to charge me? And they couldn't come to an agreement, so they dropped Nesson. So I had no way to watch the Boston Bruins this winter or the Boston Red Sox in the spring, you know, unless I wanted to do a VPN for baseball. But for hockey, it's not as easy. Uh, because the the streaming services aren't as robust for hockey as they are with uh, with baseball, so I was kind of forced to go back to Directv. I was not happy, um, but but along with your point, and and I think you may be onto something here, Paul. Part of the nostalgia, but also when I look deeper into the numbers, it says that the out of market streaming is up twenty two percent compared to last year and thirty five percent from two years ago. So I think what we might be seeing is more people watching the Dodgers and the Padres and the angels who have become pretty good this year and are interesting. And look at what, uh, the, uh, the Oakland A's are doing right now. They've won 10 in a row. So 11. I think I, oh, 11, did yeah, they win they today? Won, they won. Yeah. 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 In the bottom of the 10th. I was going to say, cause they were losing 10, nine in the ninth yeah. inning. Yeah, yeah. So, so you look at that. So maybe what we're seeing is that people are getting excited about some of these teams that you don't normally get too excited about in baseball. And maybe that's what's, what's driving it. Well, I remember I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, when I took a job down in 1985 and I already knew the Braves because of the superstation. You know, Ted right. Turner was the first one that really did it. No matter where you lived in the country, it was one because. of the first channels on cable. And I remember watching it. And when I got down there, it was so fun to be able to, 
listen to the, on the radio the same broadcasters. Do you remember the four guys that broadcasted all their pod, all their uh, games, whether it was on radio or TV? They kept on switching back and forth. Do I remember? Yeah. Do you guys remember? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Skip. Yeah, and Skip Don Perry. Sutton. Don, Don Sutton. Don Sutton. Um, uh, what was the bald-headed guy's name? Uh, uh, Van Wern. Yes. Pete Van Wern. Pete Van Wern. Wern. Yeah. Well, the last one, his son is still going strong. Ernie Johnson, senior. Ernie Johnson, Ernie, that's right. Huh? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Ernie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. And the only other station that really did that was WGN in Chicago did the same thing. Yep. So, you could, so you, could get, you could get Cub games. Um, so, but you know, but nobody does that anymore. I mean, you know, I think you get a handful of games, like a handful of New York Yankee games are over the air broadcast. Everything else is all cable, you know, everything's cable and you can't get it outside your major market. So, uh, but I think it might be, I think, I think you're right. It might be Paul that, that people are getting excited about looking at the Dodgers and the Padres and why not? They played some great games that we're already, you know, we're only in the first month of the season. So you're back to the dish, the satellite dish, right? I am. Did I you am. notice that birds like that dish more than anything else in your house? You know, like make deposits. No, I've never had that problem. No, mine's <laughs> mine, mine's nice and clean. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I won't talk about mine then. <laughs> yeah. No. No. The biggest problem I have with the dish is in the wintertime when we get snow. It, the snow and the ice will build up on the dish. I literally have to get my roof rake. <laughs> And extend it out about twelve feet so I can get it up high enough to knock the is snow and the Chevy ice off Chase my dish. imitation here. Oh, you know, and thank God the thing's not electrified, or this <laughs> uh, I might never have been on a podcast. Well, so, most of you here is gone already, though. So that's true. Good point. All right, so we, we've we've uh, beat that one to death. Let's go on to the next topic, and this was one that was fascinating to me. And look, we've talked about it on this podcast. I have hated the tinkering going on. In Major League Baseball, I've hated some of the stuff they've done. I told we talked last time. I've, I've come around, you know, on some of it. You know, the extra inning rules I've come around on. I still hate the seven inning doubleheaders, but uh, be that as it may. But there's a couple of things they're planning on this summer in the Atlantic League as experiments that I am fascinated about. The first one is they are going to move the pitcher's mound back 12 inches. So instead of 60 feet, 6 inches, it's going to be 61-6. And they've done a study, and they said that it does not affect the pitchers at all. They, they, they did some work in a lab, and it, hasn't, it doesn't do anything to the pitcher's mechanics. It doesn't hurt their arms, anything like that. But what it does do now is a fastball that normally is 97 is more like something around like 94 with that extra 12 inches, and it gives the batters more time to react. We've got a better chance of balls being put into play. So I'm kind of on board with this one. What about you guys? I am not. I, <laughs> I just, man, you know, for me, um, you know, the, the game of, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's been that distance forever, you know, and uh, I just, I, I, I just feel like it, it's, eventually it's going to cause some problems with, with mechanics, right. Or the balls aren't going to break the same way, or, you know, it just, there's so much, there's, there's just so much training and repetition that goes into, uh, you know, pitching from that distance that I would think a foot would have to throw something off. Right. Um, and besides, you know, I like pitcher duels. Um, I like to see pitchers succeed. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't see it as necessary. So you like all the strikeouts that are going on Major League Baseball right now? Sure. Okay. 
I don't mind. Well, part of those strikeouts is because (laughs) the way they're trying to swing angles for the home runs. It's not all the pitchers, but it's... That's that's some of it. That's true. Now, I don't really don't... This moving back a foot, I'm not... Either way, it doesn't really matter to me. I find it very interesting that Theo Epstein has taken a break from being, you know, the genius uh, GM, you know, calling all the shots to going to the league. And my curiosity is, where do you think this is leading? Does Theo want to be the next commissioner? Does Theo, you know, want to take some time with his family and then come back to a really good, sweet situation? But he's the face. It reminds me of, oh, the Yankees manager that was – Doing some things in the league office, uh, Joe, Joe Torre. Joe Torre. It's it sort yeah. of seems like you know a likable guy that people respect, and so Major League Baseball put him puts them in charge of something that's slightly controversial uh, because you think, gosh, if Theo's for it, you know, how can we be against it? So I'm not against the moving back the home plate or the pitcher's mound one foot, but I'm totally against the double hook rule. And you want to explain okay. that, Gene? Well, let, let's get it. Well, let's get into that. First. I just want to finish up the the mound thing first. All right. And, and I hear what you're saying, Paul, I mean, uh, Eric, but you know, look, here's the thing. They, they did a study and it's the American sports medicine Institute. They, they conducted a study back in 2019 and they had college pitchers throwing from 60 feet, six inches, then two feet farther back, 62, six, and then 63, eight. There was no significant difference in anything. No, no matter. Yeah. In rotational motion, acceleration, velocity, and strike percentage remained consistent. Um, the only thing that changed was that little bit of extra time that the batter had, but it had no noticeable effect on anything. Uh, the ball's breaking, strike percentage, anything. Really? Yeah. How is that possible? I, I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit – because that was my first reaction when I heard it. And then when I'm reading this story, this AP story, and they cited this, this, this study, I was like, well, all right, I can deal with that. You know, the other thing to remember is there is a history in Major League Baseball of tinkering with the mound. Now, normally it's just the height of the mound. Right. If, if you remember, uh, they lowered the mound back in, I think it was, what, 1969 after Bob Gibson had had that ridiculous right. season. And, and actually, that was the year of the pitcher. Nobody could hit the baseball. Mm-hmm. But when baseball first started, you know, uh, it's been 60 feet, 6 inches since 1893. So right. it's been a long time. Before that it was only 55 feet away when baseball first. Yeah. Think about it. You know, so there is some history of tinkering with the mound. So I'm, you know, that's why, and and what they're going to do the first half of the season, it's going to be 60 feet, six inches. The second half of the season is when they're going to move it. So they have a control group for the first half of the season. And then you can look at the differences in the numbers in the second half and see if there was a noticeable difference. And if it's something that's worth doing, or if there's something, maybe some unintended, unintended consequences, they didn't think about it. So I think they're doing it in in an intelligent way. And I think if Theo Epstein's behind it, look, he's a pretty bright guy. Um, And so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with them trying this and let's see, you know, I mean, the jury, I guess, is going to be out. But the one that Paul referenced is the one that I'm excited about. And it's called the double hook rule. Instead of having, it's the DH. So you're, every team will start with a designated hitter. But as soon as you pull your starting pitcher out of the game, you lose the designated hitter. Now, you might say, well, okay, so what? If your pitcher goes deep into a game and you're going to lose your DH in the seventh or eighth inning, it's not that big a deal because by then you're probably going to be using pinch hitters anyway. 
But if you want to pull your starting pitcher, this whole stupid opener rule, it'll, it'll blow that up in a hurry. You know, when you want to start a guy in the first inning and have him pitch one inning and then, you know, bring in four other relievers after that, you know, it's going to have a significant effect because now all of a sudden you're not going to have a DH. You're going to have to use a pinch hitter every time the pitcher spot comes up. You're going to run out of players. So I like this because it's going to encourage managers to keep their starting pitcher in the game. Now, obviously, if he's getting shelled, that's one thing. But it might stop Kevin Cash from pulling Blake Snell out of that World Series game. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. <laughs> Just a thought. We had to go back there. I did. Just a thought. <laughs> what do you think? Paul, I know you're champing at the bit. I am a little one. bit. So, I know, Gene, I think you have a bias against managers are creative with their pitching staffs. You, It's so old school for you to say, gosh, if you have a starting pitcher, he's got to stay in there for four or five, six innings. It sort of ruins the flow of baseball if you have all these pitchers coming in and out. Yes. I don't agree with that. I think if you're a manager, you do whatever you can with the players you got to win the games. That's what your fans are depending on. And some teams just don't have the pitching to do what the old school thinking is like. I also don't like that. I don't like to see pitchers hit anytime. I think it's foolish. I think they only hurt themselves. It, it's less exciting to me when you have a pitcher in there. Uh, I like to have the designated hitter there all the time. Don't attach it to pulling a pitcher. That, that seems contrived to me. Um, and your point is, hey, you don't want to you know, pull your pitcher too quickly. I'm a little concerned if pitchers are pitching too many innings early in the season. I think they need to protect their pitchers a little bit. So is there a temptation for a manager to leave a pitcher in there too long just to keep his DH? I don't know. But I think the main point is I don't want to see pitchers hitting. I don't like to see it connected. Let a manager be creative the way he's managing his pitchers. That's it. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, I, I really like the idea. Um, I like that it brings a little bit of strategy, you know, to um, to handling pitchers to the American League. Um, but it also doesn't, you know, the chances of seeing a lot of pitchers flailing away at the uh, at the plate um, is also uh, minimized. So right. I think uh, to me, it's kind of a nice uh, middle thing and maybe get, you know, the entire league on one set of rules, which would be nice. Um uh, you know, that, I, I think it's great. I, of course, I, I think pitchers, if they want to bat and the managers are happy to let them, like if you've got Otani on your, right. on your squad, right. Let him go and let him bat. If he wants to, he can be the pitcher and the DH, you know, or, or whatever. Right. Pitcher. That's, that's what I think. Um, yeah, that's it. I think it's, I, it sounds like a good idea. At least I, yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, Paul, but but here's the thing, and and this is where you know you talk about teams don't have enough pitching. It's because they don't allow their pitchers to develop anymore. We are so caught up in specialization these days and protecting these guys. I mean, we will never, we will probably never see a pitcher throw 250 innings in a season again. Mm. That's insane to me. To me, that's like telling my starting quarterback in a football game, you're not throwing any more than 20 passes in this game. Mm. I don't care what the score is. You're not throwing any more than 20 passes. If you are an NBA team, you're not taking any more than 15 shots tonight. I think 
you know, and I get that there's a little bit of a physical difference in throwing a baseball than there is shooting a basketball. I get that. All I'm saying is, is that, for instance, a guy like Blake Snell, who was one of the probably the top eight or ten pitchers in Major League Baseball last night, got yanked out of a game that he was in control of for no reason other than Kevin Cash looked at numbers and said, my numbers say he should come out of the game right now. There, there's no incentive for a manager to manage by feel anymore. It's all done on a spreadsheet, and that's my problem. We have lost some of the romance of the game by looking at a spreadsheet. You know, it's the same. It's my same feeling of why I hate the idea of robot umpires. They get the calls right ninety-eight percent of the time. You know, uh, maybe ninety-five percent of the time. But the human element's always been a part of it. But if if we have robot umpires, there's one more human element that we're taking out of the game. One more feel. And, and it just, it, it, to me, we're, we're ruining the spirit of the game. All right. Well, I'm going to agree with you on that part because I do think baseball is so much more mental than people give it credit. I mean, some of our favorite movies are Major League where you see the players in the clubhouse just doing all these uh, mental gymnastics trying to get ready. I think, and I don't know if you consider golf a sport, but golf and baseball, you have to be so right mentally. It's not... The physical's there. Most of those guys could win any week on the golf tour, but it's the mental business. And I think what separates a lot of baseball players between minor league and major league is the mental, is being able to go out there. And a manager, I do agree, has to have the ability to work with the players and not always go by the book. Because if you always go by the book, then the player, like Snell, goes to cash. Hey, don't you trust me? I mean, it's there's part of that, you know, connection that's way more than just the numbers and i think a good manager knows how to motivate and if they don't they're not they're not going to win just by the numbers let me give you an example uh yesterday's red sox game now they they won the game yesterday uh eduardo rodriguez come out and, and he pitched the first six innings he had given up two hits and one run he had thrown 88 pitches well, as soon as the sixth inning is over, if you're on Twitter, everybody who's, you know, the, the Red Sox, you know, masses on Twitter are all like, okay, he's done, you know, 88 pitches, sixth inning, get him out. Well, you know, Alex Cora decides to bring him back out for the seventh inning because he'd been turning, you know, the, the Blue Jays couldn't hit him. What happens? First guy he faces, Randall Gritchick, hits it out. <laughs> so then everybody on Twitter is like, ah, I told you, you should, you know, and, but my, my point was he'd thrown only 88 pitches. He's killing these guys. Why wouldn't you send them back out for the seven? You know, and sometimes it's not, maybe it's not going to work out, but probably nine times out of 10, it is. You don't you want know, the pitcher it, it, to doubt himself, too. Like, oh, you come on. Well, I'm saying if you threw him out, if you pulled him and he said, oh, you're uh, done, all you can do is 88 pitches, then you're putting doubt in his mind that he could never go oh. beyond that. Well, yes. I, I, oh, I thought you meant you're putting doubt in his mind because he goes out and gets... No, know, no, no. What I'm run. saying oh, is yeah. if you're I, always yeah, living by the numbers, then it becomes the new normal. Then they think, yeah. I can only pitch 80. I'm no good after 80. No. You know, tell yeah. that to all these great pitchers like a Verlander or a, a Johnson or, you know, all these guys who did what they had to to win the game. Like Schilling, one of your favorite pitchers. It wasn't a pitch count. He was going to throw it as long as he could. So, Paul, so, so by your... If we're going to, if if you're if what you're saying, uh, if, if that's what we want, this double hook rule could help you there because it would make the the manager less likely. 
to pull that starter out if he's pitching well. <laughs> You're a sneaky guy, saying, Gene. I'm, You're I'm a very just sneaky saying. guy. Always thinking that, Gene Gums. I'm just I'm, thinking. I'm, I'm glad he could convince you to agree with him. <laughs> you give me enough time, I can convince anybody <laughs> or, of anything, or convince yourself, more, or right, more or that. All right, let's uh, let's move on. So, uh, like I said, we're first few weeks in. I want to talk about what are the big storylines of this first three weeks. Is it uh, is it uh, is it still Fernando Tatis Jr.? Is it still what the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to do? Uh, is it how bad the New York Yankees have been? What to you is your takeaway from the first few weeks of the season? And if you want to be parochial and, and go with your hometown team, feel free. But for you, what is the, what's the big story so far? Um, you know, I mean, yes, obviously for me, the big story is that the, the Royals are in first place, right? Um, but uh, beyond that, you know, I'm a little concerned at a lot of the injuries to some of the young guys. Um, you know, you've got uh, Tatis out, a couple other big stars, young big stars are out. So I'm a little worried about the after effects of the shortened season last year. Um, you know, I just, uh, just w- hoping there's not going to be like a rash of injuries. I'm hoping that everybody's fresher and they're not going to, not going to get hurt. But uh, yeah, that to me uh, is, is kind of a story that isn't really bubbling up yet, but it's, it's, you're, it's starting to, starting to make me a little nervous. I mean, I think I, I do. I do agree as far as uh, w- there is some worry in my mind about the going from the shortened season last year to the longer season. No question. Um, but I'm more worried about it with the pitchers, I think, than I am with the position players. And, and I'm worried about Tatis. I mean, now he's back. He was out you know, for a few days, but I'm more worried about him because He's real young in his career, and he already seems injury prone. He does, yeah. <laughs> and they just gave him a ton of money. So if I'm the Padres, I'm maybe a little bit concerned about that. But let's hope that this is, you know, just some bad luck. But uh, and now with the Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr. got hurt diving back into yeah. first base on a pickoff play. Um, so, but I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried about the position players with that. I, I think you have, we're gonna. It'll be interesting to see what happens if the pitchers hit a wall in June. Because they only threw, right. you know, they only started what twelve games. I think if you started every turn in the rotation, you started twelve games last year. So what's going to happen when you got to start the twentieth game of the season this year? I'm a little concerned about my cousins, John and Steve, and my friend Gene. They're all huge Red Sox fans. I mean, the Red Sox are just <laughs> just building you up to let you down guys i mean they're 12 and 6 now how can they keep this up before the season gene was going oh, i don't know and now he's on the bandwagon oh gene are we going to have to get you back up in august and you know get you something cold to drink or are you going to be able to survive this year with their they're just teasing with you man i mean the yankees can they stay this bad this long that's the biggest no. news to me the yankees are playing so bad, are they just going to finally break out of it at some point? Um, they're just too good to stay there, but I don't know. I, I'd hate to see my friends just let down so much if the Red Sox don't make it. <laughs> yeah, well, number one, I I always thought the Red Sox had a chance to make the wild card, and I still, I'm still going to go with that. Do I think they can win this division? Absolutely not. I think at the end of the day, the cream will rise to the top. And right now, the New York Yankees have way too many weapons. Now, the Red Sox can hit the ball. But, you know, if the Yankees get any kind of pitching, if, if 
Corey Kluber comes back and starts to pitch well, and Garrett Cole, we know what he can do. And if Domingo Herman, you know, and and Severino pitch well, that team is going to win the division, I think. Um, but I think this Red Sox can still be a wild card team. But you know, and we still have Chris Sale coming back, so I'm just I'm holding out hope that we can we can keep things uh, <laughs> above above water until Chris Sale gets back. Yeah, I was watching a, CBS Sports. They were talking about uh, baseball, and they had some expert named Middlebrooks on. And I said, yeah. Middlebrooks? Who did he play for? And he played third base for your beloved Red Sox. And I thought, he did. what the heck? And he and married fact, he, a, a he, sportscaster from the NESN from network. Yeah. Yep, yep, he sure did. And he's great on Twitter, by the way. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, very opinionated. He's got his own podcast, and uh, he's uh, he's really good. He's really good, but um, but no, I don't think the Yankees can stay that bad. Uh, what about your? What about the Houston Astros? Can they stay that bad? I mean, look at the house of fire they got off to. Eric, what six and one? And no, yeah. they can't. They can't get out of their own way right now. Yeah, you know, the, with, the, with the with the Astros, they, I mean, obviously, COVID hit them pretty hard. Um, so I think I think they'll they'll end up putting it back together. It's really, I think it's going to be a two team race between them and Oakland. Um, Oakland is also not going to stay this hot forever. I mean, the, this afternoon's game, and, and of course, this is we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. I mean, you know, they were about to lose and scored three hundred unearned runs in the bottom of the tenth to win. So, right. I mean, you know, sometimes at some point their luck's going to run out. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think the Astros will come back, and it'll end up being uh, those two teams. Well, don't don't forget. Don't forget the team I picked. I picked the uh, the Angels to win that division. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sure did. They they played. They they have played uh, much better. They're a much improved team. Um, and uh, and of course they're always fun to watch too. Well, you know, but the big thing with the Angels is a lot like with the Red Sox. Are they going to be able to have enough pitching? You know, I think that's I think that's the bottom line with them. And you know, your Tigers got off to a good start, Paul, and they teased you guys a little bit, but it looks like they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit, huh? Yeah, Badu, the rookie that went from single A all the way up to major leagues, he's really cooled off in a hurry because people got the book on him a little bit more. And, you know, anytime you start overswinging, it's going to happen. And plus, when you have to play a game when it's 36 degrees and snowing, I mean, (laughs) what do you expect? I mean, the bat, I remember playing as a kid and man, the bat, if you hit the ball, it just just vibrated in your hand. And when you try to throw a ball across the field, and when I had to pitch as a little leaguer, my dad would say, just put mud on the ball, then throw it. And so <laughs> it, it uh, works you sometimes. Know, it's, you know, you bring up a good point, though. I mean, we've seen a lot of cold weather games. What do you guys think about the idea? Should Major League Baseball look at changing the schedule yes. so that the season yeah, yes. starts every yes. year on the West Coast, in the South, in dome stadiums yes. for the first couple. Preach I mean, it, brother. Why are they not doing that? Can somebody explain? Money, money, the money, fact, money. Well, yeah, but, well, but, but you're still going to get your 81 home games right. regardless. But, you know, so, so the Red Sox can't play in Boston for two weeks. So what? You know, I, I think if you ask the Red Sox players, I think they'd sign up for playing in 70-degree weather every game for two weeks tomorrow. Um, so... What do you do? You, do you think it's money? I Tradition. mean, is that what it is? It's huge here. Every opening game, everybody in Detroit takes the day off, even if they don't have a ticket. They go downtown. They fill up the place. This was so strange this year. Uh, the one ladies I work with, she said um, she hasn't missed an opening day since she was ten, and she's close to my age. So this was just she went down there, even though she didn't have a ticket. Do, and does so Detroit? Oh, 
But does Detroit always open at home? No, they open up other places. That's a good point. Well, th- but that's my point. I mean, you know, as it, long you're going to have an opening day, does it really matter what day that is? You are one smart guy, there, Gene Gums. I, you know, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's it's so. Much, every time I see, I mean, it was fun to watch that game in Detroit with the snow, but uh, but it just seems ridiculous to to not schedule them like. Uh, at least the the second week of April, right? Yeah. I mean, Some, why, well, well I mean, even the second week of the Red Sox had a game the other day. Uh, it was thirty three degrees at game time. Yeah, and that was the second that was the second week of April, almost the third week of April. Detroit's so, playing a doubleheader with Pittsburgh right now, and both night. games were no. Well, it started this afternoon. They were playing doubleheader, and uh, both games it was below forty, and it snowed during part of it. And here it is. Mm-hmm the 21st of april so you just can't predict it so how far do you reach it out gene you know how far do you go to delay the home you know i guess that's that's the only issue i guess i mean if you wanted to wait until warm weather then the boston's not <laughs> playing at home for a month i yeah, get it i know but it seems silly to me to have detroit playing at home any time between april 1st and april 15th it just seems insane april 1st Same and thing. june 1st is that what you're saying no, but you know why not say you know why not have the cold weather cities play on the road for the first yeah, two weeks? Yeah, I hear you. You know, I just I you know I I don't know. Maybe they're just afraid teams are going to be bad road teams and they're going to be you know in a hole every week every year. You know, I don't know. I do remember in 2019 the Red Sox started their first ten games were on the West Coast and they came home one and nine. Oh, and. Uh, yeah, and uh, and the rest of the season didn't go very well. So you know maybe that's the reason. But I just I don't like watching these cold weather games. And and you want to talk about injuries, Eric? Oh, yeah. How better how better to get injured and pull hamstrings and everything else when you're trying to do things like that in weather that is not meant to play baseball in? Yeah, you're standing out there in center field, and all of a sudden you've got to run sprint for, for 30 yards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's there goes. For disaster. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't yeah. that also true when we stretch out the, the season to the end of October and it, not, you have, not nearly as bad, not nearly as bad. All right. All right. No, I'm not buying that. Uh, I'll tell you what I worked in college athletics for 25 years. I have never been colder in my life than at baseball games in the spring. In college athletics, when you're a lot of times in college, you're opening up in March mm-hmm. and I have never been colder in my life than at a baseball game that I was at any football game or any soccer game or anything that was played in the fall. Even if it was in November, I was colder at baseball games than I ever was in any of those. So, no, I not. I don't, I don't think October is really a problem. You know, what's it? What's cold in October, Paul, in Detroit? Forty five. Yeah. Yeah, that's about they, right. I tell you what, the Detroit Tigers, if they could have played opening day yeah. in 45 degree weather, they would have right. been very happy. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, here's a here's a good one. Jacob DeGrom may perhaps be the unluckiest pitcher in baseball. And uh, because every time he pitches, his team decides to take the night off. Now, he pitches his rear end off. And this is a guy that won a Cy Young one year a few years ago with a 10 and 9 record. And here he is again this year. And every time he goes out and pitches, the Mets take the night off. Do you think he has any friends on that team? <laughs> well, you first got to realize he's matching up against the other ace. I mean, I, I think baseball managers still do that, right? Where they try to. Well, no, you know, they don't. It's all based now on, on days off. They don't. Nobody does that anymore, Paul. Oh, uh, it's I just all showed based, my age, huh? Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm older than you are. 
Uh, but, but it's, it's everybody now it's, you know, you've got to get your four days. Matter of fact, DeGrom was supposed to start yesterday. He asked for an extra day off. So he was starting, I think today. Um, but no, they, they, so it's not even that. I mean, it is on opening day, obviously, but not, that doesn't mean every time out, you're going to be facing somebody else's ace. I just, if I'm Jacob DeGrom, I've got an opt out in my contract after the 2022 season. I mean, he's, I think his contract goes to 2025, but he's got an opt out after 2022. If he was with another team, if he was with the, uh, the New York Yankees, he would have won 20 games easily, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here he is 10 and nine and he can't, you know, no matter what he does, he can't seem to pick up a win. I, wouldn't that, I mean, do you think that that gets to be frustrating for a pitcher or do you think they, or do you think that they really don't care? Oh, I think they get frustrated. I mean, it depends on the guy. Yeah, you know, some of them, you know, hey, my stat line looks pretty good. I did my part. But I think for the most part, those guys want to win. They they know the record counts, and uh, they're going out there to to win and to help their team. Um, and I think it's it's got to be frustrating, especially you know, I mean, it's one thing if if it's a tough matchup, but you know, man, I got to think if you're a pitcher and you've got teammates that you don't at least perceive are playing as hard as they could be. And after, you know, a, a couple years or more, like the Grama scene, he's got a, a, you know, wonder. You know, I mean, I would, you know, if you have a, a guy who doesn't run out a, a an infield uh, grounder, you know, I'd, I'd start chewing on some guys. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but but look, I mean, seriously, look at, at Jacob DeGrom. In 2018, he had an ERA of 1.70 <laughs> in 30, 32 starts. He was he he was ten ten and nine. Two thousand and nineteen. He had an ERA of two point four three and thirty two starts. He was eleven and eight. <laughs> I, I mean, That's I mean, terrible. If you're not an alcoholic before then, you will be afterwards. Two thousand and twenty. Last year in the shortened season, two point three eight and twelve starts. He was he was four and two. I mean, you know, this year he's got an ERA of 0.45 in three starts, and he's only won one of them. Oh, man. He's, I mean, it's, it's Is insane. he a Hall of Famer already, Gene, in your eyes? Yes. So he could be one of the first Hall of Fame pitchers not to win 200 games. By he the way, might not win 150 games at this rate. Yeah. So he's, this, sev- he's, he's 71 and 52, Paul, in eight years with a career ERA of 2.57. He, and he's 70, got only got 71 wins and 186 starts with those kind of numbers. That's, re, I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling. He's making $33.5 million this year, and he will make thirty and a half next year. But how much is he worth in the open market? I mean, how, how long before his agent says and his wife says and the people that love him say, all right, Jake, you did enough. It's okay. Go free agency, <laughs> double your money, play for yeah. a winner. Be like Justin Verlander. Go out there, get your World Series ring. It's okay. I think he's got to go. I don't think he owes any loyalty to the Mets. It's a business arrangement. And I don't understand how he doesn't get more support. I I just really don't. Because he's a quality starter in every way. That should give you more encouragement as a hitter. Like, hey, we got this. You know, He's going to keep him to two. We could all have to do is score three or four runs. But can you can, can you remember anybody else in history that was that unlucky when they started that that their team just didn't score for them? I, I was trying to remember, and I can't I can't remember anybody that that it was this blatant. Yeah, I mean that's pretty epic. I, 
Wasn't there a imagine. pitcher for the Blue Jays that was pretty good, Grebe or something like that, and they just would never win for him? Tom was it Tom Grebe? Tom, Tom Grebe. Yeah, I don't think he was a was he a pitcher? I thought Tom Grebe was like a catcher. Uh, there was a pitcher for the. I'm reaching here, folks, for for the for the, the Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. But I just, I mean. It, it, like I said, he's got a, he's, he, look, he's making $35 million. Nobody's crying for him. All right. I mean, I, I get that. Um, and he's going to make $35.5 million next year pitching for the Mets. But as soon as that season is over, even though he'll still have two years left on his contract, he can opt out. Um, Dave Steve. Dave, oh, Dave Steve. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Dave Steve. But, but so, but if, I, if I'm Jacob DeGrom, you know, does it does pitching in the biggest baseball market in America matter or is it about I want to I want to win? I mean, at this point, he's done everything that he can do except win because his team stinks. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, and look at this year. I mean, they went out and they spent money and they got Francisco Lindor. And, you know, I mean, I know it's early. It's three games into the season. We don't need to push the panic button, but it's just it's laughable. Mm. Uh it, Unless you're Jacob Degrom, then it's not like right, yeah. Dave Steve's stats was 176 wins, 137 losses, and he pitched a 3.44 for the Blue Jays and the White Sox. Okay, that was those are respectable numbers, you know. But Degrom's numbers are—it's like video game numbers. You just don't people don't do that kind of stuff as consistently as he did. You know, that's the thing to me that's the most that's the most mind-boggling is uh, what 79 starts in the last four seasons, and he has 26 wins mm. with, with an ERA of just right around two. That's it just, that just, it, I, I can't even, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I go, great. if I, if I'm me, if I'm Jacob DeGrom and God knows I'm not, but if I were, I think I walk after 2022. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, does he need more money? Right. I mean, I think if I was, yeah, I think he would kind of be thinking about looking around. It I mean, can't, how, how, yeah, it's not about money at this point, is it? Right. No way. Right. Exactly. He's got more money than he needs. Right. So, you know, if he, you know, man, I would go, imagine if he came to, you the know, Royals. The, well, yeah, that, Come that's, on. that's, that's a, dream. Now, now we're dreaming. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, but I mean the white Sox or the Dodgers, I don't want to talk about the Dodgers. That's all well, I know. But, more, but, right? but Dodgers could afford them. Right, but I'm thinking like some, you know, if that he if he took like a pay cut to go somewhere that was gonna a team that was gonna win that was on the uh, you know, that's not thing, so, well I know but, a pay cut I, okay maybe not a pay cut but you, you've been you watching see what I'm saying for, you've been watching that chop four two oh show right there you go <laughs> no he likes his craft um, beers at night we know that that's true um, but yeah I th- I mean I think he would maybe make a decision to uh to go to some team that can makes you ima- stretch to payment can to you payment. imagine what a god he would be if he went to play for say the St. Louis Cardinals oh yeah I'll the way that. they love their baseball in St. Louis yeah. mm-hmm. you know and you've got Adam Wainwright who's getting ready to retire can yeah, you imagine replacing retire. can you imagine replacing Wainwright with uh, Jacob DeGrom my wife is going to be very very sad um, when Wayno retires, but I yeah. think that might help her have some. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but I think I think you're right. I mean, he's got Degrom's uh, got two Cy Youngs. He was the Rookie of the Year, and when he didn't win the Cy Young, he finished either second or third. So uh, you know, you just got to yeah. be looking at your teammates, going, "Really, dudes? I mean, you know, I, I, 
what 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 I got to do? All right. Uh, now I got one for you. It's early in the season again. We are three weeks in, and we have already had seven instances in Major League Baseball of position players pitching. Can somebody explain to me why we have 26-man rosters now? Mm-hmm. Most teams are carrying 13 or 14 pitchers, and yet Major League Baseball is still allowing teams to make a mockery of the game by throwing position players in a game. The Red Sox beat up on Lucas Giolito the other night. The Chicago White Sox did not use just one position player. They used two of them in the same game against the Red Sox in the last two innings. My question to you is, is do you have a problem? Is, do you believe position players should be allowed to pitch in Major League Baseball? Uh, it doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, it, usually it's it's a game that's already out of hand, and you might as well, you know, if you've got like an emergency emergency pitcher or whatever, give him. Give <laughs> but you've got four, but you've got fourteen pitchers. Well, yeah, on the roster, you got five starters and nine guys in the bullpen. Are you telling me you've mismanaged your bullpen that badly? And see, this is where we get into the whole DH thing again, Paul, and pulling pitchers too early, where we can't control. We have nine relievers, and we still don't have enough pitching. It drives it, it. It drives me. I just think it. It kind of makes a mockery of the game. I was watching that Red Sox game, and a guy literally threw a ball so slow that the radar gun couldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's so. Yeah. It, it usually they get somebody up there to pitch who is at least semi competent, who can you know hopefully just throw some balls that are going to get you know hit to to somebody who can catch it. Um, but uh, but yeah, if it's somebody who's you know throwing a, an unintentional, uh, what is it, the EFAS pitch? EFAS pitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what was worse, though? He pitched, the, score, he pitched the scoreless inning. <laughs> <laughs> See? But, but I, have, I have an assignment for you before our next podcast. Okay. Go, get on YouTube and look up. You know who Willens Ostadio is from the Minnesota Twins? They call him, he's, his nickname is La Tortuga, the turtle. Uh-uh. Uh, he is the position player equivalent of... Uh, who was the pitcher for the New York Mets that hit the home run uh, that pitched into his 40s? What the hell is his name? I oh. can't. Be. Short, dumpy guy. You know, about as wa- route, about as wide as he was tall. Oh, Cologne. Yeah, yeah Bartolo Cologne. This is the position player equivalent of Bartolo Cologne. Go on YouTube, see if you can find it. He pitched an inning for the Minnesota Twins the other day, and he pitched a clean inning because he, again, was throwing, like, slow-pitch softball. He threw pitches that were 51 and 46 miles an hour. (laughs) It's just, I mean, it's kind of funny to talk about, but you're going, really? This is, I mean... This is what we're. This would be like the New England Patriots deciding to take their long snapper and throw him in and have him play quarterback in a game because you're getting a crap beat out. It just, it to me, it's just, it just shouldn't happen. Well, I remember managers for the Tigers always had some utility player that could play four or five positions, and he would be the designated uh, pitcher if they got blown right. out. And it was Tommy Brookins, I remember. I really, yeah. And I think that had a little class to it. I mean, that you didn't just throw out anybody. You had somebody who threw batting practice, who knew what he was doing. And right. me, sure, he wasn't throwing faster than 80, but at least it was respectable. And I guess I hear your point is like, is this just a mockery? Are we just doing it too far? I wish they just had. I love those utility guys. I always loved that they got time to play, and you never knew where they were going to go. And once in a while, there was a chance they could play all nine positions. 
I, I, you know what? I, I think I, I, I think you're right, though, Paul. I think I'd be better with it if there was one guy on a team that was designated my emergency pitcher. You know, I think I would be okay with it then. But I think what a lot of what we've seen early in the season to me is guys that are throwing the ball as slow as they can and just hoping that you know guys will screw themselves into the ground uh, trying to swing at it. <laughs> and that's what we've seen. Um, all right, well, last thing for this episode. With the change in Major League Baseball with having seven-inning doubleheaders now, we saw a situation this week where a pitcher took a no-hitter into the sixth inning of a seven-inning game in a doubleheader. Even if he had pitched that no-hitter, it would not officially have been a no-hitter according to Major League Baseball. My question to you is, is, is it time to change that rule? So I guess is that a is it technically a rule? Yes. I, is it okay? All right. So so I, I now first of all, I'm just going to say no off the bat because uh, my Royals were going to be the victim of that game. Um, <laughs> but uh, but seriously, you know, I, to me, I think it's see it needs to have a uh, some sort of a designation, right? So like you have a combined no hitter where you know a. And in fact, it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's you know, it's not one guy throwing a no hitter, but you get a uh, an entire you know pitching staff to throw a throw a no hitter. So it just seems like it needs a, some sort of a designation. It's still a pretty impressive feat. Um, you know, it's it's not uh, you know a a true traditional no hitter, but it seems like it should be honored in some way. Mm. Well, if you're going to force teams to play seven inning games for double headers, that's just, that's my point. If this is something that you're legislating into the games that they will be seven inning, no hit uh, double headers. Then to me, any record that happens in that game, whether even if it's a no hitter should count. Eric, you said something that totally makes me go Gene's way because you said, but seriously. And when I hear, but seriously, I think, oh, hey, Roddy Dangerfield, but seriously, but hey, I get no respect. Hey, no respect. Hey, if they go by the rules and they complete a whole game, whether it's seven or nine innings according to MLB rules, and they did no hitter, they should get a no hitter because they're playing by the rules. They can't do any better than MLB sets it up. Yes, it doesn't almost seem right because a lot of other bet. Pitchers would have had a no-hitter if we only stopped at seven. But this is the rules now. you got to go by the rules now. So give them the no-hitter. That's it. Well, shouldn't it be some sort of a no-hitter? Like a, no, a no, seven no. Inning well, no respect, man. The guy finished a game. Let him have his the, no-hitter. Yeah, they should. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, you don't get credit for a no-hitter if you lose the game. There have been guys that have pitched no-hitters and lost the game. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, you do not get credit. And I'm on baseball reference right now, and I'm looking down the list of every no-hitter that was ever pitched in Major League Baseball, and not one of them were less than nine innings. So, was, so, if, was, so if, if you're pitching a no-hitter, it won't count. Now, there's pro- it's probably happened, but they don't count it as an official no-hitter. So like, if you're pitching uh, a no-hitter and the game gets rained out after seven innings, you don't get credit for the no-hitter. Right. So there was one, but I, I don't think it was considered a no-hitter. There was one eight-inning no-hitter. So, And this is, I actually looked this up. It was on June 28, 2008, Jared Weaver and Jose uh, Arredondo of the Los Angeles Angels threw eight no-hit innings against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium, but lost the game one to zero and are not credited with a no-hitter. This is their first uh, this is the first near no hitter of this kind, and it's still the only one where okay. and also more than one pitcher was involved. But um, yeah, they 
uh, you know, they'd given up, you know, a few runs on uh, balls and errors. And I remember whatever. one no hitter, and I can't remember who it was that threw it, but I want to say it was for a. T- uh, was it might have been like uh, AJ Burnett threw a no hitter and like walked like eight guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, I was wrong. I just looked it up. There is one no hitter in history where a guy lost and still got credit for the no hitter. Ken Johnson threw a no hitter uh, for Houston against huh? the uh, Cincinnati Reds, but lost the game one nothing. <laughs> it's just terrible. He walked a couple of what guys. What year was that? It, that was in 1964. <laughs> and he and his team had made a couple of errors in the field behind him after a couple of walks, and they scored an unearned run. And so, but that's the only no hitter of all the ones registered where the where the pitcher actually lost. Um, but I, but again, I my point is is that if if the rules stay, we're only playing seven innings, then and I pitch a no hitter for seven innings, I should get credit for it. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, so this is also interesting. If you take a no hitter into the tenth. It's still not, and you lose in right. extras. It's still, it's also not considered a right, a no hitter. Right. <laughs> so it has to be. You have to finish. So I guess if the point is that you complete a game, and with a no hitter, and you win, then I guess yeah, seven innings. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I mean, you know, if Major League Baseball says that's what we got to play, you know, then then that's what it should yeah. be. But uh, you know, but. I but and you know and the funny part is, is we joke all the time about how old we are or, you know and 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 I'm I'm a traditionalist and all this other stuff but there just are some things to me that have never made sense and that's one of them you know and I I remember a case with the Red Sox one year and I can't remember who it was it might have been Fergie Jenkins but he had a no hitter like after six and two thirds innings and the game got rained out and he hadn't given up a hit and it might not have been Jenkins but it was I and I can't remember I was a kid. Um, but, and I remember them talking about the fact that even though he had done this, it wouldn't be counted. So I just, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's brutal. And, and it's, by the way, of all the no hitters, I was just looking, there's only, I think there's three of them that are 10 inning no hitters, but none of the, it hasn't happened recently. The first one yeah. was like back in 1917. And, uh, I think there was another one that was in the twenties. I mean, I don't think we will ever see a pitcher throw 10 innings again. No, I think you're right. And I of course that guy back then probably pitched. Also pitched the second Every, half of the doubleheader. Yeah, he probably did. He probably, you know, you ever, you know, that's one of the things that we should talk about that on one of our podcasts. We'll look at some of the the crazy statistics from the old days when yeah. you look at some of the things like when you look at Cy Young. You know, there's a guy that was pitching like every other day. You know, it was absolutely insane what some of the guys did. We'll have to we'll have to put that into one of our podcasts in the future. Well, guys, this one's been a blast, and uh, yep. uh, I uh, I love baseball. I love that they're trying to make the game better. I am concerned that they're trying to do too much, but Paul, I'm sorry. I still think this double hook rule might be a good. <laughs> well, as a producer of the show, I have a double hook too, but I won't use it on you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. We thank you all for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of the boys of summer for Paul Arnold and Eric Braun. I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. 